Independence by Madison Maine. Chapter 3 Red 2 Soldier 9 Mask 37 Red 2 Soldier 9 Mask 36 Red 2 Soldier 9 Mask 35 Red 2 Soldier 9 Mask 34 Hey Sarah Yes Gemma Knock knock Sarah turns her head to Gemma. Who's there? Tink. Tink who? You're welcome. Gemma couldn't contain her laughter, while Sarah's eyes grew big in disappointment. Parker and I started laughing. I've never heard of that before, Parker says. I read it in a book once, she says. We're screwed, I say. We all start laughing and nod our heads. All of us know we might die here. The bright lights turn off, expressing we have to go to bed. A thin blanket separates our bodies from the cold floor. I dream of my mother calling for me, her hands stitching my cuts from my intense practice. Cam, you have to be more careful, she says softly. Wake up. Cam, get out. No, stop that, says a voice. I wake up to the twins fighting. They're yelling at each other from across the hall. I said it's your fault we're here. You put in the course wrong, says Gemma. Stop, I yell. They freeze and look at me like siblings would when their mother catches them fighting. We can't fight. We have to stick together. Say. We don't get any food for three days. Our minds scramble with ideas to escape. The light hits my watch, blinding my eyes for a few seconds. My father gave me a watch after one of his missions ten years ago. I have never taken it off since. He told me the watch would be handy for tough situations. I stand up and walk to the door. When the watch touches the door, it makes a clinking noise. The door opens, and the noise is freedom. We get out quietly, all together. Parker leads us out. If any soldier walks towards us, Parker can take them out. And he does. The men fall like a giant. Dylan searches him for keys and a gun. We have to change our clothes. We'll stick out too much with these on says Dylan. Good idea, I say. We quickly searched every room we saw until we found a room overflowing with clothes. Clothes that would be absolutely unacceptable back home. Colors we had no idea were still real, bled and enlightened with clothes. We each looked different. Someone hundreds of years ago might have said we each had our own style. The door that led us to to the city of Mars is hard to find, but once we find it, Mars blinds us with the colors. It is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So many bright lights and big buildings. We got into the first building that smells like food. Music that was forbidden back home blasts through the walls. No one hesitates when they see us. They're all having 
fun. Everything seems so out of place or illegal compared to back home. Who are these people? I get a glimpse of myself in a mirror. My tan tank top and Adidas pants make me look like a model from hundreds of years ago. Well, maybe not. Reflections were a rare thing to notice back home. Drilling, training was drilled into our heads, so I never really thought of about how I looked. I think the first time I saw a picture of someone from Earth was when I was saw one my great 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 grandmother. She was one of the first people who lived on Earth and on Pendence. She looked so happy. Kelsey, I think was her name. The picture was of her and her family on a boat with the ocean's waves in the background. I would hold that picture to my chest when I would go to sleep and start to dream of what being on that boat would be like. Our eyes, shape, and nose are the same. What happened to her? We all look like normal teenagers, not clones to society for once. Dylan's red hoodie, Sarah's black dress, Gemma's ripped jeans and Parker's sweatpants and David's designer t-shirt are all illegal acts on pendants. Each of us are starting one by one to break more rules in this one day than we have in our whole lives. Most music is banned in pendants because it is seen as a corrupting weapon that distracts everyone. Only one song is allowed, which is like our anthem besides the warrior song. Here, people dance, lights flash, and people move close. This is very strange to all of us. A man with orange-red hair walks towards us. How may I help you? Welcome to Thomas and John's. I'm John. My, my. Aren't you a pretty-looking thing? He says as he touches my hair. I may have to offer you up. Excuse me? What? I yell. The music makes every word he says fuzzy. Nothing. Here, have a drink on the house, everyone. He hands each of us a glass. We drink it, not knowing the next time we would be able to drink or eat anything. Having no money isn't a good thing in a place that seems more on the self-righteous side. We all feel more awake and happier than normal. All worries of being caught are gone at the bottom of the cup. What is this? I ask. I don't know. It tastes pretty good, though, says John. We are all distorted. We wander the party, and Dylan and I separate from the others. We swipe some food off a table, and our stomachs start to feel really full. Dylan almost throws up as we dance. Our vision gets clouded because of the fog filling the place. I just remember the lights, noise, and Dylan and I among the other people dancing. Then I wake up in a bed and roll over to see Dylan on the floor. Dylan? I yell. Hmm? He opens his eyes. What? Where are we? What happened? I ask. I can't remember. We get up and open the door to find several other doors in the hall. So... I ask. Which door? Dylan asks. We have to find the others. We don't know if they are even here. Dylan and I go from door to door to find the others. David and Parker are in their room, Dylan checks. I go to the final door in the hall to find Gemma. 
Gemma, Gemma. I shake her and she wakes up. Where's Sarah? I, I, I don't know, she says, disoriented. Cam, there's something wrong with David Parker, says Dylan as he walks into Gemma's room. I'll be back, Gemma, I say. I head to the door, boy's room to see David with a nasty rash all over his body. Cam, it hurts real bad, cries David. I see Parker is sitting on his bed, shaking back and forth, all whispering. What's wrong with him? I ask. He's been like that for a little bit. We were all just sitting here talking and then just stopped and started to shake and I started to itch, says David. Red, two, soldier, nine, mask, 37. Red, two, soldier, nine, mask, 36. Red, two, soldier, nine, mask, 35. Red, two, soldier, nine, mask, 34. Parker kept saying this over and over. I touched both of their foreheads. They have some kind of, of a fever. Dylan, stay with them, I order. I'm going to check on Gemma. I run a few doors down to Gemma's door. She is just sitting there. Gemma! Gemma! I yell. She is unresponsive. I feel her forehead. She has a fever too. Dylan! I yell. He runs in. We need to put them together so they won't spread it. It will be it'll also be easier to get them to get to them that way. We cover our faces with our arms, hoping it isn't too late. We take Gemma into the boys' room. I go into the bathroom and search for pills to help their fever. Dylan and I have to get out before we get the fever too. So we go back to our room. How did they get sick? I ask. I don't know. Maybe it was something they ate or the altitude, says Dylan. Dylan and I sat on the couch, thinking. Scientifically, it would be proven that it wasn't because of... It was because of Dylan and my genes that fought off the sickness. It was a blessing. Our genes were so strong that everything has a weak point somewhere. We had forgotten about our friends entirely being caught up in the idea of the illusion of freedom, freedom to love each other and not be controlled. You know, this is nice. We can stay here. You don't have to worry about being exiled. It's perfect here. Just you and me, says Dylan. I know it's nice here, but I say, but what? We got each other. No one is saying we can't be together. We can be free. I take his hand. Dylan, I like you a lot, and I want to be happy here too, but Pendence is our home. We can't abandon our people for love. Cam, I know, but there are no worries here. I'm worried about where Sarah is. I'm worried about those three, and if they'll be okay, I'm worried about being caught and being killed. We sit there with candles lighting the room up. We take both of, he takes both of my hands. Cam, I love you. I've loved you since we were children. Since the first time I saw you, I want to stay here with you. He leans in close and kisses me. I forgot the stupid rules and laws and followed my heart. 
We are far away from home and everything we know, but we still have respect for each other. I sleep on the bed and Dylan sleeps on the couch. The week passes. Morning, says Dylan. Morning, I turn around. What happened? What? Dylan, what happened to you? You have bumps all over you. I don't know. I was fine just a second ago. You got the fever. He steps back. I don't want you to get sick. He goes into the second part of the bathroom and locks the door. Dylan, no. I yell and bang on the door. No, Cam, you can't get sick. It's okay, Dylan. I sit outside the door for hours, just pleading for him to come out. Fine. I'm going out to get something to break down the door. I say, Cam, he yells as I close the door. When I enter the hallway, I see a door open. Take her downstairs, yells a man. I watch as a girl gets dragged. She fights as they pull her to her feet to walk down the stairs. One of them is a man in a black suit and a helmet with red on the bottom half. I slowly start to go back to my room, but the floor creaks beneath my feet. Hey, the man yells. I run back to my room and lock the door. What's wrong, Cam? Be quiet, Dylan, I whisper. There's pounding on my door. Cam, yells Dylan. The door opens and gas is thrown inside the room. As I lie against the bathroom door, my eyes close slowly. Dylan is trapped. I wake up to see flashing lights. I get up but notice I have something on my wrist. What is this? I ask while trying to free my wrist. I wouldn't try to get out. It was the girl I saw getting dragged out from the room down the hall. Where am I? The offering. It's almost like the black market, but they sell us to work. Footsteps grew closer to us. All right, we got a five new ones tonight. Let me see, he says as he walks around to all five of us. He does a double take for me. Slowly, his body gets leveled to mine on the floor. His face lights up with the biggest smile. Oh my, they found you. You will be a treat. His hand pulls me up to stand eye to eye with him. Another man walks in. John, who is it tonight? Thomas. Her. She's the lucky one. This way, dear. He gestures for me to enter a different room where a girl waits. Make her pretty for tonight, he says. I sit down as a the girl puts stuff on my face and in my hair. The reflection in the mirror slowly begins to show a different person than who I was when I walked in the room. My face reminds me of one from a photo hidden in my mom's keepsake box. A photo of a family on earth from a long time ago. It wasn't my great-great-grandmother, Kelsey. That picture also brought me hope as a child that one day our people could go back to Earth. My childish imagination created a perfect life for that family. On Christmas, they would look at, out and see snowfall. In the summer, they would travel in cars to anywhere they wanted. 
I imagined the smell of the ocean, of flowers, even their cafeteria smelling better than what we have. Mother never told me who that family was in the photo, but deep down I knew they were mine. Far away and years ago, there were my age, and maybe dreaming of being up here. Get up, please. Go back there behind the divider and get dressed, the girl says as she points behind me. I unzip the bag to find a red dress. Oh my gosh, I gasp. Never in my life have I seen something as beautiful as this dress. I put put it on and walk out to show the girl. Ah, come here. Let's get your hair down now. The door opens and someone walks in as she's messing with my hair. I had no clue you could change your hair color. My hair is suddenly brown, not red anymore. Oh my gosh, says John. Where are you from? asked Thomas. My heart began to race. What do I say? A bell goes off very loudly, saving me from having to answer. Oh, never mind. It's time for you to go. Thomas and John each take one of my hands, and they walk me down a hall. At the end of it, they kiss me on the cheek. You'll do great. Anna, send her out after we are done. John says to the girl who did my hair and makeup. Okay, John. The men walk on the stage. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are so excited for tonight. We have a very special guest and some new acts tonight, says John. Tonight is the light show, yells Thomas. It blacks out and John walks up to me. Sorry, here. He says as he injects something into my arm. Can you sing? Sing? I yell. Yes, anything. I had only sung songs that I made up in my head just to be silly. Never had I actually sung for one person, let alone an audience. After that conversation, I feel like I am not making my own decisions anymore. I feel like I am in the backseat of my life. Someone else is driving me, but who? In the dark, I walk to stand where John and Thomas did before me. The music starts, and I start to sing from somewhere deep inside. The lights almost dance to the song. Moments later, a few people come out to dance on stage. Once I am done, it feels like there are two minutes of silence before a sudden burst of applause. John and Thomas come on the stage as I get off. How did you do that? Asks Thomas. Do what? Sing, you are amazing, he replies. I have to go. He grabs my hand. I'm sorry, you can't leave. Not until they all agree for your placement or you get the payment fully paid. You weren't placed anywhere here. On Mars, you have to go through the process of placement. The offering is the path of finding where you belong. You have to pay for the process of pay- placement, so you'd better get comfortable. Please. It feels like I'm there forever. I don't just sing for them, I also clean and work as a waitress serving the citizens of Mars. After being their waitress, I become a pi- private server 
for the rich families. I accept their challenge of climbing the ladder to the highest role. Their society is one from long ago that died, but I guess was reborn. I became their personal server to admire them, make them laugh and smile every day, seeming to forget who I once was. Every time I came, come to work, I can't function without the injections Thomas and John gave me months ago. I never get the same family twice in one week due to my popularity. The family bid on who serves their meal, and the highest bidder of the night gets to be seated at my table. It feels almost like they are trading me for their own enjoyment. One night, just one young man is at my table. He must be a year or two older than me. The atmosphere with him is different than I have ever had before. He asked me to sit with him, to even eat with him. We have very interesting conversations for a whole week. He has my table, and no one else does. His face is one you would never forget. So soft, eyes green that pull you in, scars on his face that surprisingly suit him. He tells me the story of a scar that is completely vertical on his lips. His neck is marked like someone I've seen once before. An upside down crown tattoo rests on his neck. His stories always break my heart, but he is always so calm about them. My name is Jalen Marks, but as a child, my little sister couldn't say my name. She pronounced my name as Yala. I learned to enjoy being called that name, but wanted to spell it with a J instead of a Y. So it's pronounced Yala, but it looks like Yala. I think I've only gone by Yala since I was six years old. It's the only name people know me by. Yala laughs. There's a knock on the door during our seventh dinner. I'll get it, I say. I open the door to see the king. Because of the injections, I don't recognize him. He was just a normal person to me. I'd completely forgotten the encounter I had with him, not even a few months ago. Please come in, I say. He walks over and sits at the table with the young man. Son, you know our plan uh, taking over pendants, yes? Of course, father. I plan on succeeding. I won't fail you. No distractions. He winks at me. You are my prized child out of all of my children. You are also one of the only ones that grew up there. You fell in love with the Isaac's daughter as a child. You fell in love with the enemy. His voice is very stern. I walk to get the bottle to refill his glass with water. I realize that this man was insane just by his words. He never made any sense. You could tell that he only wanted his children to follow his orchestrated plans. He didn't want them to have free will to decide anything for themselves. Father, I was a child. I'm over that little crush, but I do plan on marrying soon. To her, he gestures to me. Yalla. I did not leave pendants for you to have a life here with a woman who is stuck in the offering. The plan is 
for you to marry the Isaac's daughter. I know I said you fell in love with the enemy, but you must see the bigger picture, dear son. She is in line to be Pendant's next leader. You won't break their rules or laws. You'll both create an era of strong children, both on Pendant's and Mars. That's impossible. He's not making any sense, but it's not any of my business. I thought to myself. I went back to eating the food that on my plate. Father, please. You gotta marry Mom out of love. Why can't I do the same? I haven't seen Pendence in forever. How will we even find her? Yala explained. Her IP code, son, is how they find everyone. I will give you one day to get the people, supplies, and ship ready. Then you will have to say your goodbyes. He gets up. Oh, and we have only found four out of the six from Pendence? It's been almost two months. I guess your brother can't handle it, Yala. Yala's father is at the door now, almost staring down his son. Yes, father. Don't ever talk to me about marrying for love. You know what their leaders did to my family. Those in charge of pendants and their stupid rules will pay for what they did. (gasps) That's why you, my son, will be in charge and be their sole leader. I'll leave you too. Just be ready to leave soon. I shut the door behind his father. The walls almost absorbed the volume and tension that was spat out by the older man. I think I'll bring you with me. I'll tell him I can't find her or something so I can marry you. Do you think that's a good idea? Yala, I'll I'll do anything for you, but I can't leave until I'm paid off. I'll talk to them. He kisses me on the cheek. I feel like I've met you before. What's your name? Your real name? Bree, I say. You remind me of someone I just can't put my finger on it. Hey, do you want to go to a party before we leave this crazy place? Yeah, I say. After I change out of my work clothes, I find Yala yelling at Thomas and John. She doubled the total payment. But you didn't tell her? Yala yells. Yes, she's our best. We we don't want to lose her, says Thomas. My sweet Brie, is this what you want? To be with Yala? Asked John. I think it was the guilt that John and Thomas had that made them change their minds so quickly. They felt so much shame in what they had done. Yes, I say. End of chapter three.